Well, good morning. How we doing? If you're not awake after that, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, they're just crazy, right? What are we going to do with those boys? That's what I think every single day when I work with them. Just saying. Well, I just want to say a warm welcome to you. I know that Josh said, my name is Brittany, and um, if you are a guest in the house or joining online, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. I hope today will be fruitful for you. I hope today you will leave changed and challenged. And if you are a guest, I would love to meet you in the lobby following service. We always try to scoot out there just to say a special hello to the guests in the house. But hey, we kicked off an incredible series, Summer at Greenville First, last week. So if you weren't here, it's okay. You've only missed one. But all summer long, we're going to be exploring some parables of Jesus. And maybe you're, you're thinking, parable? What is she talking about? What is that word? A parable is simply this. It's a story with a point. It's a story with a truth, with a life lesson that we can take and apply and be better because of it. And more times than not, Jesus taught his disciples and the crowds through these stories called parables. And I love parables because sometimes it's kind of like an adventure. Sometimes the, the lesson is super and clear, plain sight. You, you see what you're working with. You can very clearly tell what Jesus is trying to teach. But then other times it requires a little bit of extra thinking, a little bit of extra digging and examining. So never, ever, ever let the parable discourage you. The lesson is there. Sometimes we just have to dig for it. And last week, just to do a little recap for a second because it's going to relate to what we're talking about today, Pastor Josh kicked off week one with the parable of the sower, and he simply talked about how our condi the condition of our heart directly affects our ability to hear. And what he meant by that was Jesus told the story of a farmer scattering seed, and he was using that to parallel whenever he speaks the word of God, when he speaks the truth of God, when he's doing a teaching, and the seed is the word, and there's four different paths or ground that it might fall on. And the ground represents our ears and our heart. And the farmer scattered the seed and some fell on the forgotten path. That means the word went in one ear and right out the other. It did nothing. Some fell on shallow rocks. Some fell on crowded thorns that got eaten up by life and all the things that we face. But then there was some seed that fell on good soil. And my hope and my prayer today is that that's where this teaching is going to fall. So my question before we do anything else is, how are your ears looking? How is the soil of your life looking? Are you ready to receive what we are about to hear today? That is my hope and that is my prayer because, you guys, there is a richness about this book. It is not meant to be a Sunday-only snack that gets you through some nibbles and you're barely making your way into here on Sunday because you're so depleted. It's an entree. This is the meat of our life, and if you take it to heart, it will get you through. And what I've learned is, the more I read it, the more I soak it up, the more I crave it. I said last service, it's kind of like the cookie. It's kind of like sugar. I don't know about you, but I got a sugar problem, okay? It's not because of this is, can I just say this as a side note? Yesterday at Reach Day, a little girl came up to me and she said, ma'am, you got a baby in there? And I said, I sure hope so. <laughs> I hope that's not all the cookies. But see, what I know about the word of God and about sugar is that the more you soak it up, the more you crave it. And so today, my hope and my prayer is that it falls on good soil, because that's where that hunger begins to grow. Amen? Today, we're going to hop in with week two, talking about the parable of the persistent widow. Let's just pray together before we get into God's word. Jesus, God, right now, I pray that our eyes are on you. 
that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts, that today's word that you've been given, that you've sent directly for us, God, would it fall on good soil. God, that it would fall on good soil that would produce roots, that would be long-lasting, that would stick, that would change our lives, change our hearts. Challenge us today, we pray. Do what only you can do. In your name, amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be picking up in Luke chapter 18 today. It'll be on the screens as well. But like I said, this is called the parable of the persistent widow. And we've got two characters today. We've got a judge and we've got a widow. And they're going to teach us a very, very, very important lesson that we're going to learn today for our own life. Here we go. Verse 1 says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You guys, you don't got to dig today. It's a plain sight lesson. Always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. So she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see to it that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And we're going to break this down for a few minutes and we're going to really begin to see what in the world is Jesus talking about. What does he mean by all this, like, character stuff and details and questions? And so we're going to start with the characters first. First, you just met a widow. Here's what I know about a widow. She hasn't had an easy life. Surely because of the title that she has, we know that she's already gone through difficulty, hardship, loss. There's probably some grief in there. And for whatever reason, she is needing to find justice for her life. She's got no advocate. She's very much alone, and she's having to through her hardship, be very persistent to go to a judge who clearly is annoyed by her. He doesn't care about what her needs are, and she's having to learn to be persistent past his reluctance. Then we meet a judge who is known as unjust. Isn't that kind of an oxymoron, an unjust judge? Isn't that their job? He doesn't give a flip about anybody but himself. He cares only about his self-image, what he's building for himself, his prestige. And the Bible is very clear that he is annoyed by her. She's a nuisance. She's a nag. And quite honestly, he has better things to worry about than trying to bring someone justice, although he's a judge. Why does that matter, Britt? Why are you focusing on the characters here? It very much matters. Why would Jesus pick a widow and a judge? If we drew... I, th- I feel like paper out of a hat. That, there's not two characters we would just pick in some random everyday story, right? But it very much matters because Jesus, he's the God of the details. And in this story, the widow, she represents us, you guys. Jesus did not pick someone who was living their best life on the mountaintop, promoted, everything was happening in the best way possible. They had the easy life. No, he picked the widow to show us that even through the worst possible 
Worst case scenario that you can imagine right now as you're sitting in your seats or listening online, whatever the worst case scenario that could happen to your life right now, if that happened, he's using a character to say, you be persistent. You don't give up. You don't lose heart. He's using her at her lowest low to teach us, you never give up. You always pray. Come back to me over and over. I will be here for you. And he's beginning to teach his disciples, the widow, she represents us. We've got to be persistent. And then why would he pick a judge? He chose this judge because in a lot of parables, if you begin to dive into them, a lot of the times he'll either compare a character to God to teach us how God truly is, his nature, his character, or he will contrast them. And in this case, he is using the judge to directly represent the opposite of God. In every single possible way, he is not like our Heavenly Father who says, come and pray. Come and lay your knees before my feet. No, no, no. He is the opposite. He cares about himself. He cares about his prestige. But can I tell you that we serve a God who longs for us to come to him. We serve a God who we have constant access to. In his perfect character, God cares about us, you guys. He's there to advocate for us, to encourage us. He wants to hear from us. He knows you like no one else. You would not be a bother to him. And so in this moment, these two characters play a huge role because of what they represent for us. But did you catch at the very end, Jesus asked like a kind of a weird question. He says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What is he talking about? we got the widow, we have the judge, be persistent, never stop praying, don't give up. What is he talking about? Here's what he's saying. He's saying when Jesus returns, will he find people who have learned this lesson? Will he find people of prayer? Will he find people that don't throw in the towel when it gets hard? Will he find people that have a life of persistent prayer because they trust in his plan, not what they think is best? That's what he's asking his disciples, and he's challenging them to not give up. You guys ever heard of that game, Ding Dong Ditch? Sorry, switch. Going to a kind of a funny example for a second, but I said in the first service, I'm not going to have you raise your hand and confess if you've played it before. I'm sure you probably have. Back in the day. The Ding Dong Ditches, if you don't know, it's where you ring the doorbell of somebody and you run away as fast as you can and they come to the door and it's hilarious because no one's there. So funny, right? And as I began to study, I started thinking, wow, I think sometimes we treat prayer like that. I think sometimes we have a need, we're going through something, we need God to hear our prayer, hear our request, hear whatever in the world we want to tell him and we say it, say it, say it, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. Well, he doesn't answer in time and so we're gone. We, we like to run away before we give God a chance to do the work. And I think sometimes we've got to be careful about that. Because if, if we're not careful, we're not going to have a life of persistent prayer. There's no persistence involved when I ring a bell and I run. Are you willing to stay at the door and wait for as long as it's going to take for him to answer the door when he's good and ready? It's not ding-dong ditch today. The widow's learned a valuable lesson that she's got to stay persistent and advocate for what she needs. The main point this morning is this. Persistent prayer allows us to experience God's best. See, when we're not willing to stay at the door, when we neglect a persistent prayer life, we are leaving amazing things on the table that God has in store that we'll never know. Persistent prayer allows us to experience God's best 
And if that's the case, if, if it's going to give us God's best, then why do we struggle with it? Don't we all want the best? Well, then why is it hard? Then why doesn't it come naturally? Why, why are, if we're being honest, could we confess that maybe we pray more when we are having a hard time? Why are we only going to him in need? Why isn't it easier if it's to experience God's best? I believe that if it wasn't hard, if it didn't require discipline, Jesus wouldn't have devoted a whole parable to it. There wouldn't be over a hundred scriptures talking about not giving up, pray without ceasing, pray constantly, be in the life of prayer, continual conversation with God. Jesus knew good and well we would need encouragement. We would need reminders about prayer because it's so important. And what I've learned is that Prayer is not about us taking our wish list to God. It's not about us telling him what we need, like he doesn't already know what's best. It's not about us changing his character. But instead, it's 100% about him changing us. It's 100% about the work that he's doing in us when we go before him. And so today, as we break this down for what it means for our life, I think that in my time of ministry and just mentorship and being in relationship with people, if I'm being completely honest, there are some very real questions, some elephants in the room that I think that we all have in our brain when it comes to prayer. And I believe that these things cause us to give up. They cause us to throw in the towel. They're obstacles, they're walls that, forget it, I'm done praying. Because blank, blank, and blank, and because he blank, blank, and blank, there's a billion reasons why you may have thrown in the towel. And today I just want to focus on three of these obstacles. And hopefully they'll relate to you like maybe they do for me. And we can grow and we can learn and be challenged together. Is that okay? So the first one is this. I think that prayer is hard because persistent prayer, it may require patience. And even me saying the P word, you're like, oh, patience. Sometimes I think that prayers are answered really quickly. And then other times I think that it takes a real long time. And I think it requires a lot of patience. If we're keeping it real, even deeper than that, I can hear you now, and I can hear me now. Even in my own narrative of my head saying, how long do you expect me to pray for that? Britt, do you know how long I've been praying for that? I feel like, is he even there? Does he even hear me? Let's call out the elephant in the room, you guys. Is your prayer even going higher than the ceiling? Is it a waste of time? Sometimes when patience gets involved, Persistent prayer gets a little bit harder. It's harder to stay persistent at all. But can I tell you sometimes his answer is not a no. It just might be a not yet. And that's hard. That's hard when we cannot see and understand. But the difference, is, the difference in the judge and God is that he longs to hear from us. It's not that somebody's twisting his arm to answer. There's no begging There's no making a deal with God. There's no, you do this, I'll do this. We're not making a deal with him. That's not what this is like. God promises to answer our prayer. It's not an if. It's a when. The hard part is the patience because it's in his timing. And I think that if he answered every single thing that we had at our beck and call, if it was instant, number one, you guys, we would have no need for a relationship with him. There would be no dependence. There would be no reliance on him because, boom, we got what we wanted. Bye. You're just a magic genie at this point. There's no relationship in that. We also wouldn't learn anything from that. 
I've heard it said many times, the blessing comes after the testing. And so if that's true, if that's the case today, if we've got to push through the patience, I think that the question now becomes, are you willing? Are you going through a time of testing? How long will you take it to him? How many times will you go over and over like the widow? How persistent will you be? I think it's in the waiting that we learn a lot about ourselves. Because in the waiting, that's not easy. It's directly tied to your maturity. Last week when Josh was preaching about the sower, he said, the condition of your heart is directly connected to your ability to hear. And I think today, your maturity is directly connected to your ability to wait. But we're going back. Snacks aren't going to sustain that. You've got to have the entree. You've got to have the meat portion in your life for that maturity to grow, for that hunger to get you through the waiting. Otherwise, you'll throw the towel in every time. Let's be honest. Who likes to wait? Nobody. Think about it. We're told, swipe the card. Get the couch today. You don't need to wait. You can figure out the rest later. You ever told a toddler, baby, listen, we're going to be there in just a minute. We're going to do that in just a little while. Newsflash, they are not okay with those answers. And, hey, you laugh about it because of, because of the kids, but some of y'all adults, y'all don't like those answers either. Try going to a restaurant, and they tell you there's a 45-minute wait. You guys are like, that's okay. We would love to wait 45 minutes for our table. Y'all lying if you say that. You know you don't want to wait for that table. Even on Amazon Prime, sometimes two days is not fast enough for us. Let's be honest. And I think that some of these examples are lighthearted and they're funny. But when you have real needs in your life that you have been wanting for so long, it's not funny anymore. You're, you're, getting, you're getting to the point where you're like, how much longer can I hold on? And if you are looking for a sign today, I am telling you, don't lose heart. He has not forgotten you. This widow is teaching us we got to be persistent. The blessing comes after the testing. Will you pass the test? How long, how important it is for you to hold on today? And friend, if that is you, I just want you to know you can feel the stretching. You can feel the discomfort. You can feel the agony that you are in because you are ready to do it no more. Stay, stay the path. In the waiting, he is working. And persistent prayer allows us to experience God's best. This parable tells us don't give up. She keeps going back time and time again. And what's amazing about our God is that he's not an unjust God. He's not a mean God who is going to find us annoying. She had to learn persistence in a harder way. We've got a God who longs to hear from us. And if that's you today, you're in the waiting, you're in the season where your persistent prayer life, it, you're in a patience test. Can I tell you that you're in good company? Abraham waited 100 years before he got the son that he was promised. Joseph waited 13 years to see his dream finally come to pass. Did you know Moses? He had persistent prayers for 40 years through that wilderness. And for me, for my own papa, do you know it felt, it felt like my whole life I prayed for him to find Jesus, to ask Jesus into his heart, to start a relationship with Jesus. And he finally did in his 80s. Don't you give up. Do not give up or lose heart. Psalms 41 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. 
For you today, it might be healing. It might be a miracle. It might be restoration in your family or friends. For you, you could be praying for your future spouse. Genuinely speaking, that is a huge, huge desire, and it's an amazing thing. But, oh, my goodness, it's worth the wait if you wait for God's best, right? For you, it could be lost loved ones. You could be praying for children. You could be praying for a financial breakthrough or a dream to be fulfilled or a door to open. The list goes on and on. But I'm here today to tell you don't give up. You keep praying. And I think that that's hard because patience is hard. But seeing it through, it's a choice we got to make. You've heard, the, you've heard the parable, and now you've got to make a choice. Will you be willing to stay persistent? Will you be willing to stay the path and continue to pray? See, I also think that persistent prayer gets hard. There's a little bit of an obstacle when it comes to our priorities. So patience is hard, but priorities can get a little bit crazy sometimes. Anybody ever had your priorities get a little out of whack? You don't got to raise your hand. It's fine. I think it happens to the best of us because life gets crazy, we get busy, all of a sudden we're going 45,000 directions, and you might come back to church on Sunday and realize, holy cow, this is the first time I've actually prayed when the person on the stage told us to lift our hands and pray. Wow, my priorities have gotten a little bit out of whack. And the best way, the best thing that we can do to get our life back in line with how God would want it for our best at all is to go back to prayer. It's a heart check. It's a way for us to get synced back up. And I truly believe that when God is first in our life, all the other stuff, it falls into place, just how it should. How it should. You ever heard it be said? I know we've said it a billion times here before, but prayer shouldn't be the last resort. It should be the first response. And we get it flipped because we're human and we're not perfect, and we get it flipped all the time. But there's something about persistent prayer, putting our eyes and our heart and our ears and our attention back on God, our creator. He knows what's best for us, and that's key. But I think that through prayer, here's the elephant in the room, priorities and desires begin to be revealed. And we begin to really examine what we think and what we might see as, as important to us. But let me ask you some questions. Think about desires. Think about priorities that you have in your life. And my question for you today is this. Do you actually pray about it? Is it a real priority that you pray about that daily? Does it weigh on you? Does it worry you? Do you put it at the feet of God constantly? This is how you begin to know what's really important to you. Things that you do pray about. Things you think about and worry about. Things that you carry with you. And I think giving them back to him in prayer, it keeps our hearts and our eyes on him as our source. And it allows them to fall into place as he would see best. But I can say all that, and you're like, yeah, I agree with you. It's a whole lot easier said than done, right? You ever been in a season where you thought something was best for you, and it turns out it really wasn't? There are so many times in our human brain that we have it figured out. I know exactly how this should play out. This is the first thing, that this is the biggest desire in my life. If I do this, all of this other stuff's going to happen. It's going to be great. And what we think we need, we have no idea. It's really probably not true. Have you ever taken a child into Target? This is supposed to be funny. You can laugh. You guys are like, she's so serious. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just my two boys. 
I could take them to Target for 30 minutes, and before I know it, they need 4,829 new things that they didn't know they needed until just now. 30 minutes. And I'm like, boys, if you ask us for one more thing right now, we are here to get two objects, two things, and we are out the door, right? But all of a sudden, within 30 minutes, they're going to die if they don't get the Lego set. That they're gonna, they don't know how to go on without the paint craft section. The whole thing. They want the whole thing. And I have to prepare them. Now, children, we are going to check out. And you're going to face 30 candy options when we get there. Don't ask mom for any of them. You're not going to die. You're going to be okay. It's like preparing them. And we laugh. And, because uh, well, us as parents, we can see the bigger picture. We can see they don't need that right now. We can see that their priorities are not exactly what they think they should be. If it's like my boys, my boys will forget about the Lego set by the time we're 10 minutes down the road. I'm never going to hear about it again, right? And I think that we, we remind them in that moment, like, hey, you really don't need this as much as you think. And even further, if you're willing to wait, there could be greater things in store around the corner that you can't see right now. And it's the same thing for us, right? God knows what we need, even when we think that we know what we need. He knows what's best. But without prayer, we're not aligned to him. We don't, we don't have that sinking to where his desires become our desires. And you guys, that's a really dangerous place to be in. We could make a huge mess of ourselves if we're not careful and if we're not aligning our priorities to his. It's like... You ever been in a season of life or know someone who has where they have this little thing called a newborn baby and they want that little baby to sleep through the night so bad and they go and they put that baby down to sleep and as most parents do, you're like, Jesus, please, please. It may not be comfortable in the moment. It may not be fun in the moment, but there comes a night where you realize I cannot go in there when they start crying tonight. Tonight's the night, no more. And what that baby begins to learn is that what they think is their top priority, you, their top need, their top desire, in that moment they begin to learn a life lesson. And even though it's uncomfortable, it's needed. And what they thought they needed, they realize, oh, I'm going to be okay. And then you know what? Everybody's happier in that moment, right? But persistent prayer, it allows us to experience God's best. See, God is, he's much more concerned with building your character than he is your comfort. And just like that baby, we, we've got to go through life where we can trust you guys. He has our best at heart. We've got to make the decision if we throw in the towel because patience is required or our priorities, we don't get our way. Things get shifted. And what I've learned is that when my eyes are on him, Sometimes what I thought that I needed and what I thought I really wanted, I don't really desire it as much anymore. You ever been there? Psalms 37, 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, sometimes persistent prayer, it might change what we thought we really needed. When we're aligned with him, your desires may actually change. Your, your priorities might be reshifted a little bit from what you thought. I'll never forget um, when Josh and I moved back to South Carolina. This is our home church, if you didn't know that, but we lived in Florida for a long time. 
And we had gone through some years of, or not years, I shouldn't say that, months of transition where we knew we were not staying in Florida, but we weren't quite sure what the door was coming to be to next. We didn't know about Greenville yet, so we didn't know what door was opening next. So we did all the things. We traveled and kind of like interviewed at certain churches and trying to figure out what life was going to look like. And we were up at a church. We had flown there. We had interviewed. And you guys, when I tell you this was probably, I don't know, four or five months before we ended up coming to Greenville, but sitting at that table with that pastor who we loved, you guys, the staff was amazing. We knew some of them like family. Every box, every priority, every desire that we wanted in our next ministry position, it was checked. There was zero reason why we wouldn't sign the line that day. Like, literally accept the position. We were offered that day. And so when we left that day, Josh and I decided, like, hey, we're not signing anything. We're going to take some time to pray, and we'll get back to you. And can I tell you, as we began to pray what we thought we needed over here, something happened. It began to shift. And what was such a clear and easy yes, because we wanted it, it all of a sudden became very clear that we had to say no. It didn't make sense. It, it didn't add up. Even talking to that pastor, we said, we, we're so sorry. This is the hardest no we've ever given, but we don't feel a peace anymore even though every single thing that we thought we needed was checked. And can I tell you, if we had said yes, we wouldn't be here. And you guys, we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. God had such greater things in store that we couldn't see around the corner. But what if we had not taken that time of persistent prayer to get ourselves back in line with him? Since then, that church has gone through just a, a number of things that we've been spared from. And I truly believe God knew best in that moment. And I'm so thankful that we use prayer as our source to get our priorities back in check and just make sure we were going the path we were supposed to go. Does that make sense? I think it's a perfect example of how we thought we knew what we needed, but God had greater things. And I think that with persistent prayer, patience may stop us. Priorities may distract us. But number three today, I believe that we struggle because sometimes with persistent prayer, it doesn't always end up with our plan. We got any planners in the room? Just me. You, just, you have a way of how things should be going and how this should be getting done and how they should be doing that and how all the things should be, should be, the plan, plan, plan. But what I have learned so many times is that my plan doesn't always match God's. And I have to be okay with that. There, there has to be a choice that comes into play. The same thing with patience and priorities. i got to evaluate, am I going to trust his plan over mine? And earlier I told you that sometimes the answer is not yet. But I'm going to just be honest here. Sometimes the answer is just no. And I know we don't like it. It's like telling a kid no. They don't like it in that moment. We don't like it in that moment. It may not be what you expected, just like with us with that job. It wasn't what we expected. But so many times with wisdom... And maturity and in the waiting, you can look back and be grateful for the no. Because God knows best. He knows what's best for us. See, when our plan does not match his, we have to remember he can see around the corner. And this is when the two really, really bad words come in. Faith and trust. These two words play a part right here and they become a game changer. They certainly don't come naturally. 
Many times I believe this is when the persistent prayer stops, when we no longer can see all the details, when we no longer can see the rest of the staircase, and we're asked just to take the step, we easily give up. But the widow is a perfect example of showing us that we've got to go back and keep going and keep going over and over. So let's talk plans for a second. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And we like to stop right there because that is so warm and fuzzy and we love, love, love it. And if you grew up in church, you can quote it. And if you didn't grow up in church, it's fine because it's on like 37 signs at Hobby Lobby. So we've all seen it. But what I need you to understand is that's not the end of that verse. There's more. And what's coming is the key. Look at verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Oh, so he's not a magic genie. I've got to seek him too. I've got to come to him too. What you're telling me, Britt, is that this thing is a two-way street. Yeah. He's not out to get you. He's not sitting up in heaven just trying to cause all your plans to get messed up. It says very clearly his plan is not for harm or destruction. But the enemy would have us thinking that, wouldn't he? Can I tell you he wants you to prosper? Can I tell you he's got a future and a hope for you? He is making a way. He is working as we speak. But sometimes we are not willing to stand at the door and wait. We skip out too soon and we leave things on the table and we never, ever, ever find out what great things he has in store. Because we like to skip that part that says, seek me with all of your heart. It's a two-way street, you guys. Persistent prayer. It's a conversation. David tells us in Psalm that God's thoughts for his children are more that can be numbered. He loves us so much. Did you know that? He cares about us so much. Even when we don't see the when or the why, he does. Paul tells the Thessalonians in the New Testament, and I want you to hold on to this verse today. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 16, be joyful always. He didn't say just on the easy times. He says, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. Sometimes they're hard, but in all circumstances, we have a reason to pray. We have a reason that we can dig deep and find joy. We have a reason that we can be thankful. Then he says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, the more we pray, the more connected we are to God. The more we learn to trust him, the bigger our faith begins to build and the more empowered we are to stay the course in the challenging times that we're gonna face. It's all a direct cycle. And what I know is that prayer is powerful. Did you know that? But it's not a secret. The enemy knows how powerful prayer is. That's why if, if he has his way in our life, if he gets in here, he'll keep you busy, he'll keep you defeated, 
He'll keep you discouraged. He will keep you angry because it's not going your way or the answer didn't come as fast as you want it to. He will keep you distracted because that allows our time to be robbed from persistent prayer. Oh, he knows the power if we're aligned with God. Oswald Chambers says, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. It's hard, but it's powerful. Did you guys know, even Jesus himself, in his humanity, when he was here on earth for a time doing ministry, he purposely, scripture tells us, he acts and he relates to us in this way. And he's God, right? But in his humanity, he lived a life of persistent prayer. It was a way that we can relate to him. Even in the hard times, you guys know, his plan may not have directly matched what he wanted. He died on a cross for us. That's got to be hard, right? Unimaginable. But we can relate to his humanity because he's showing us a life of persistent prayer was the key. And the night before he died, in Luke 22, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, not my plan, God, even when it doesn't match, but yours be done. And being in anguish, it says he prayed more earnestly. If our Savior needed a persistent prayer life, how much more do we? He understood the sacrifice that he had to make. It allowed all of us to experience God's best because of what he did. So is it hard? Yeah. Are there obstacles and a billion reasons why we shouldn't have a good prayer life? Of course there is. If you look for them, you'll find them, right? But we've got a choice to make today. Are we going to throw in the towel? Are we going to remember the life of the widow who through all of it, she never gave up? Be warned, you guys. A life without a persistent prayer life is like going to the battlefield without a weapon. It is very powerful. And as we close this morning, I just want to take you back to the beginning of the parable. And it simply said this. Always pray. Never give up. Some translations say, don't lose heart. In this room right now, will you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me? Wherever you're watching online, just join us in a a time of prayer before we go. See, I believe today there are those listening where you may have been raised in church all of your life. You may love the Lord with everything inside of you. But if you were honest with yourself, you would say, Britt, I've lost heart. I've given up. My prayer life is not where it needs to be. I've thrown in the towel. Prayer is a last resort in my life, and I don't mean for it to be, but it is. I want you to know today that can be changed. Today could be a milestone moment for you to reignite a prayer life. And we're going to just pause right here, and I'm going to pray over all of us. If that's you, I want you to take this to heart. God, right now, Lord, we just set our eyes back to you. Our hearts are weak. We are in a moment, God, where we are discouraged. Due to the waiting, we are tired. Patience is hard. When what we thought we we needed to happen, Lord, the plan, it didn't make any sense, God, we're defeated. Would you meet us here in our weakness? Would you help us to get our fight back, to pray without ceasing in the days to come? We ask, God, for your desires. 
for your will, your strength, just like the widow. God, that we would come to you over and over and over. May this be a milestone moment that affects generations because of a prayer life, Jesus, that starts today. God, help us to stay persistent in looking to you. With your eyes still closed, I want to talk to some other people in the room. Maybe you're listening and you're thinking, girl, I don't pray persistently. I don't know this Jesus God. I, I don't have a relationship like you talk about with him. I've never made that decision to invite him in my life. And maybe, maybe you're listening and you're thinking, well, I did a long time ago. But I need a reset. I need some kind of fresh start today. If that's you, can I tell you that he died on a cross for you and for me? So that we could experience God's best for our lives. Because of him, we can live without guilt and shame, free from our sin and receive his grace. It covers it all. You can have a fresh start today. He wants to transform your life if you'll let him. And all over this room right now, I'm not gonna embarrass you. No one's looking around. I just wanna see who I'm praying for. If that's you, will you wave at me? If you say, I, I need a fresh start. I wanna make a decision to follow Christ today. Will you just wave at me? It's the most important decision you will ever make. And if you are watching online, you can put it in the chat. We wanna connect with you. Amen. All over this room, will you repeat after me? Jesus, I need you. Come into my life today. I want to change, to have a fresh start. I'm letting go of the old and I want the new. Be my savior and my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those making a decision to follow Christ today? You guys, that's what it's all about. It's incredible.